This is Alec. And this is Jack. Welcome to another episode of Smith and Scholar. Smith and Scholar is a multimedia project dedicated to promoting and encouraging young men to pursue and live the good life. In today's episode, we will be talking about temperance. So, we just uh, talked about prudence last time. So, now we're talking about temperance, which is sometimes listed as the second virtue um, in the cardinal virtues. Um, as we said last time, too, prudence is the mother of all virtues. So, if you hear some recurring themes uh, from last time's uh, last podcast on prudence, don't be surprised because. Don't be lost. <laughs> Because that's that's what's going to happen throughout the rest of the podcast. You're going to start hearing the same thing over and over again. If you hear repetition, probably means it's important. Um, a good marketing strategy that I was taught in like fifth grade was repetition, 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 repetition. Jack, what did I just say? Repetition, 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 repetition. Before that, you said a good marketing strategy in the fifth grade. <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like it worked all around. <laughs> But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about prudence. So uh, to begin with, prudence, broadly put, again, we're get, what we're saying is not the end-all be-all. We'll probably link some additional resources to check out. If you Google just temperance or prudence, you might find some of the resources we used um, because, you know, they're popular. Or if you read a book, then maybe you'll, you'll see what we saw too. So anyways, uh, prudent, uh, temperance. Wow. It's, it's just, it's all coming together. That's not what I meant when I said you'll hear the same thing over and over again. Um, okay. Mod uh, temperance is not necessarily moderation. Uh, that's a simple way of putting it. Um, it's not just, you know, Oh, watch what you eat or watch what you drink. Although those are, um, some good ways of kind of physically realizing uh, temperance. I was about to say moderation. Um, let's talk about Peeper's definition of temperance. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it, and then Jack, you can uh, get into more specifics. Uh, Peeper called or defined temperance as, um, well, basing it on the Latin etymology as an ordering of parts into a unified whole. So why don't you dig a little deeper uh, into that for us? Yeah, Alex, specifically, um, Peeper, when talking about this ordering of the unified whole, he's really talking about, and he, he specifically says this, the internal ordering of man. Um, in a way, this makes, this makes temperance unique from the other cardinal virtues as its focus, the focus of temperance is solely on the man himself trying to develop uh, temperance. For example, um, with prudence, again, you know, that going back to like the deliberation aspect, you're looking at existing reality outside of oneself. Um, when we talk about justice, you'll see justice is a really relational um, virtue. It's really about how um, you, you're, what your focus is, is on fellow, the, your fellow man when you're talking about justice, when you're trying to practice and habituate justice. And uh, because of this, you know, I think there's some really interesting. Um, there's some really interesting ways in which we can understand temperance because it is solely about oneself. Um, I think Peeper, Peeper characterizes it um, in an interesting way. He says temperance can be understood as selfless self-preservation and intemperance. So the opposite of temperance as self-destruction through the selfish degradation of the powers, which aim at self-preservation. 
Um, there's a lot to unpack there. But in a, it, to simplify it, the virtue of temperance defends man against all the selfish perversion of his inner order. So all those base desires, something we've kind of mentioned before and trying to, about like what virtue is in a way. It's about conquering and commander, commanding the natural base desires um, that every single person has and, and ordering those um, so that 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 you can live a good life and specifically um, temperance takes those, you know, base things and, and orders them so that man as a moral person, as a person who makes decisions can exist and live effectively. Yeah. So that part about it being um, uh, ordering the self and, and really focus on the self as opposed to prudence, which is looking at kind of the system around you, justice, relationship to others. Um, I think this is where it kind of departs from prudence, where you need more experience, um, kind of trial and error process in which to kind of grow in it. Uh, so I see temperance as maybe more of a teachable virtue. Um, again, prudence kind of hard to teach, as we discussed last time, simulations, you can ask for advice, but ultimately you have to um, experience it for yourself and from your prior teachings and understandings, um, move forward. So temperance, as I mentioned at the beginning, kind of this like moderation and drink uh, and eating, uh, it can be taught because there are a lot of sensual aspects to it. Um, and it's how you react and make decisions and um, kind of the internal uh, uh, aligning of that. So as as you can see, going back to uh, eating, if you eat too much food or eat too much junk food, you'll have a tummy ache. Uh, similarly, if you don't sleep enough, then you'll have sleep, uh, sleep exhaustion, you know, extreme exhaustion. So you can really see how these uh, more physical aspects, if you go to one extreme, you have a physical reaction to it. So, um, as I mentioned last time, you know, when we're born as children, we're not necessarily virtuous. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to eat our next <laughs> meal, trying to sleep as much as we can. You grow up a little bit and you just want to play all the time. So, you know, you're, you're, you're going for those, for those goods as you perceive them, or as Jack mentioned, some of your base desires. Um, so babies, opposite of temperance, you know, uh, not necessarily a vice because they don't control what they're doing and what they're choosing all the time. But they're always eating, crying, soiling themselves. I can tell you from firsthand experience. <laughs> um, but we see babies doing that, and it's like, okay, that's normal, that's natural. But when we see adults doing that, we know, like, whoa, you know, that's kind of wrong. Yeah, that's not natural. That's not the way it should be. So over time, we really uh, start to grow in understanding of temperance. Um, do you have something to add about that, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, like you said, temperance is very different from prudence in the way that it um, can be learned. I think that what's an interesting tie is, again, maybe those the, the influence of natural law um, or the importance of natural law in trying to understand the virtues. You're, ta you know, you're talking about um, your stomach hurting because you're eating too much. And these are things we actually can, you know, in a way it's similar to prudence because you can learn them from experience. So I remember when I was uh, in college taking a class on um, civil rights and civil liberties and sort of the foundational things we're talking about was just talking about the natural law, you know, just, you know, first principles of, you know, reason and that sort of thing. And the example the professor gave was, we all know that, you know, drinking to excess is harmful because when you drink to excess, you might vomit and feel horrible or you wake up in the morning and you're 
incredibly hungover and unproductive. And you just know that like the biological effects of that, like baked into our biology are these things that help us to understand. So I think that that's an interesting aspect of particularly the virtue of temperance. Um, you know, it's about, it's also about experience in a way in the same way that prudence is, but there are things that come naturally. It's like almost in a way you don't have to, you can, you can like wait for certain experiences to happen that will show you, you know, where the mean is between two extremes. Yeah. So we can see on one hand, you can teach it or you can experience it. And I think I'm just thinking of like TV shows I watched as a kid and, and movies I've seen nowadays. Like it's so apparent in, in the media, just when, when you have a family depicted, Mm -hmm. the kids are always doing something wrong and they learn their lesson by the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, that's one of the good things, I guess, about some of the uh-huh. uh, TV shows nowadays is is there is some installation of virtues and morals because, oh, no, little Johnny drank too much soda and now he has a tummy ache. Well, we can learn from the TV show, don't drink too much soda because right. it's these universal principles. Um, but temperance isn't always the sensual things. Like, it's not just feeling a tummy ache or um, uh, experiencing exhaustion from not sleeping. Uh, sometimes it can be on a more metaphysical level, a little bit harder to understand. And um, it, it's what Jack was getting to about order and making sure that everything is aligned. So we need to have that order when we're regulating the things we engage in, uh, everything, even if it can be perceived as a good um, or something that is ordered towards the good. So um, like one example is exercise. Um, and, and Jack, you, you're an athlete, so why don't you say a little bit about exercise, which is a good, but maybe going a little too far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and order in, in regards to that, I think. So I grew up playing soccer. I still play soccer. Um, had to train a lot for soccer. Um, when I was in high school, I was playing, you know, four or five hours a day. Um, and, you know, if one, you have to Um, you have to regulate it. You know, you have to rest, you have to recuperate. You can't just, if you drive your body all the time, your body starts to fight back against you. You pull muscles, you have fatigue, um, that sort of thing. And so like, for instance, maybe something that I should have done in hindsight, this is me, you know, the, you know, from my experiences as an old man, as an old man, (laughs) when I was, I should have taken more focus on, um, like pre-practice stretching, um, warm, getting warmed up properly so that, you know, it's all, again, that's like in a way about order and, you know, understanding how you feel and and that sort of thing. So I think that that's a, I think an exercise is actually a really good way in which every person understands, um, can understand temperance and, and, and regulation. Yeah. And then again, drawing on the example of exercise and stretching in preparation for something, we can do a similar thing, um, in the non-physical domain. Uh, we can do some sort of uh, metaphysical stretching, calisthenics or whatever, mm-hmm. me- you know, <laughs> example you want to use. Uh, but to get ready for uh, actually uh, looking at temperance or prudence, justice, fortitude, um, because uh, you've got to not necessarily, you know, turn the temperature up so that you get acclimated to it. But but you want to be ready for those instances and circumstances. So even in small things such as um, like putting condiments on your food, maybe you put a little bit less so that when you are encountering a harder position later down the uh, road, you have that internal thought of maybe don't put as much ketchup on my fries because I don't need that much food. And not that ketchup is bad or anything, but just having that uh, ability to order your passions and and guide 
your passions correctly through your will. Mm-hmm. So, um, these examples, um, a little bit more example driven than normal, but you know, I, I think again because mo- uh, I keep on wanting to say moderation, <laughs> uh, temperance, which again broadly put moderation, yes, um, temperance does have more of these sensual aspects that we can look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we can get into some of the kind of, again, disambiguation. Um, Jack, you mentioned last time, prudence is easy to see, like the two extremes. It's the mean of two extremes. Uh, I think we can pretty easily see um, temperance being the mean of two extremes. So the, the first one I think of is kind of the stinginess, or I'm going to say, uh, I'll just say stinginess for now <laughs> in the idea that, you know, you don't want to spend anything you don't want to engage in anything or indulge in any pleasures you want to talk a little bit about that jack yeah absolutely i think you know one of the ways in which we can approach life in this world is it's almost um it's not quite manichaean and seeing that all the everything that's physical is bad and therefore you can just abuse it but more so everything it, everything physical is bad and therefore we should try and avoid it so like you just said almost kind of like um a um um who's the character from a christmas character oh uh, scrooge uh, scrooge like a scroogean like way of looking at at money it's like you know money you know, money can be a good you can use it to support your family to you know open up business ventures to podcast um but like if you if you see it as a bad and never use it for good things that you know in a way that that is that's intemperate that's not that's not recognizing the good um in the place that you know, money, you know, or anything else really that is a physical good that has in the proper order of things. Again, remember, in tying temperance to order, I think, again, you can really see this in a rejection of the physical and like and of good things and pleasurable things that we can, we can have in our lives and then moderate around so that they are properly ordered in our lives. That is actually temperate living in that regard. Yeah, and it's not to say that every physical good is good. Uh, some are better than others. It's, it's value judgments, and prudence will tell you what things are good or better over others. Um, but then the opposite side of this stinginess, you know, there might be a better way to describe it, but this, mm-hmm. like, not partaking in physical goods is overindulging in these uh, physical goods, um, like gluttony. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, too? Yeah, sure. So I think I think gluttony is a good one, and is one... Um like you're saying, is like you know something maybe readily apparent, uh, readily apparent in infants. You know they're always just wanting to eat. That's just like maybe in their nature. You know that's it's self-preservation, like we've talked about. Um, and again, it's this idea that you can engage too much in pleasures or goods. So it's the the uh, the opposite extreme of what we were just mentioning. And again, you kind of see these a lot in I guess you know what we call our like our most base physical desires as you know creatures as you know homo sapiens the you know whether it's engorging yourself and eating too much whether it's drinking too much and drunkenness whether it's sexual vices indulging too much in sexual pleasure um and again all these things are like can be good enjoying fine wine and spirits is a good uh, enjoying enjoying food and sharing food with others is a good um you know our sexual powers and um, capabilities are goods. I mean, they, they are, they are good things, but when you overindulge in them, or like we're saying earlier, underindulge in those good things, again, you're, you're, you're not properly ordering those things in your life and therefore you are not being temperate. Yeah. And I think one way to look at this, just an example of food, um, if you're living temperance, then a normal meal would look like a sandwich, a bag of chips, salad, and a cookie, you know, to have 
kind of all those uh, all the confidence. Hit your food pyramid, meal. man. You know <laughs> exactly. So okay, that's a temperate meal. Um, maybe a stingy meal would look like rice and beans. You're really just uh, it gets you all the necessary nutrients, and then but you know, you don't necessarily need to eat that. Now, depending on your state of life, maybe you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if you're forcing it upon others, then it's it's not as uh, temperate, I would say. And then on the other extreme of gluttony, it's when you're having lobster bisque steak um, and three desserts along with a bottle of champagne every night uh, <laughs> to get that image in your mind. You know, that you can see, obviously, where, where this is going. Um, so I want to get to the next uh, part of what you know, uh, contrary to temperance is, and that's incontinence. And that's the idea that your will uh, doesn't really remain steadfast. So even if you know what is good, you're choosing something lesser than the good um, willingly. And so it it seems kind of contrary to, um, you know, virtue, because you know what's the good and you choose not to choose it. And so uh, it, it does kind of relate to prudence and the idea that we're supposed to have right reason, right application. And that's true uh, because we do have to make correct decisions. Um, but uh, we also have to think of the what's being chosen over the will or what's guiding you over the will. And that's usually your passions, or your appetites. And so that's why um, temperance is a little bit more um, uh, related to this incontinence. So, it can also be seen again as attached to prudence because it is this decision making process. It's about um, ordering your will um, behind your, or in front of your passions and not letting it go vice versa. So, uh, I guess to see like it visually explained, uh, usually you see a chariot and it's driven by or it's driven by a taskmaster or uh, whatever the guy behind the a horses. chariot driver. <laughs> chariot driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking of um, Ten Commandments, the old film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Um, and so, you know, they're driving the horses and the horses are moving forward. That's the will guiding the passions. It would be the other way around if either the horses break free of the uh, driver and, and get to choose where they want to go, or in, if the, uh, uh, for some reason, somehow, the horses were pushing the driver where to go um, or the, or like the wheels of the chariot or, fell off. Yeah, exactly. So it's that idea that, you know, you're on a course and you know where you're going, uh, but something goes wrong along the way. So then the last one is, um, I heard this, uh, in a talk, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's why I decided to include it here is looking at the emotions. And again, this is one of those intangible ways of which you can live temperance. So, um, again, this idea of the passions or your appetites getting the best of you, if you're too angry, too sad, too cruel, uh, those are kind of uh, ways to um, not live temperately. And so, I think it's especially important because um, emotions are just more recognized nowadays Mm -hmm. um, in every aspect. Uh, And I also want to say... If you're depressed clinically or if you have some other mental condition which inhibits uh, the way that your brain works, you know, chemically, physically, it doesn't mean that you're intemperate because you're depressed. It's a brain uh, condition, which, <laughs> which is a little different. It makes things different. And so, you know, I don't want to uh, give you the wrong impression that depression equals intemperance because 
um, it, it's a clinical issue. In fact, because we're talking about ordering a depressed person who's able to order their life in a way that helps them to combat that, you know, is temperance even the, in, despite um, like a brain condition that would keep you from experiencing joy in the proper ways and that's and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So it's just, and then also the reaction to the emotions that you have. If you're taking joy at other people's pain, then that's not um, temperate because that's not what, excuse me, the emotion of joy should be drawing from. So as same with anger, sadness, um, it's all about making sure that these emotions align with what they should be brought to. So now that we've talked a little bit about the um, opposite of uh, temperance, let's maybe talk a little bit about some of the good things of temperance. And Jack, you want to lead this? Sure. Um, I think the a good way of thinking about this is like the different modes of temperance. This is what Peeper alludes to when um, he's talking about temperance in his book and, you know, the things that we can do that are typically when you think, oh, the person who does this is a temp- the temperate man. And so these are things like, um, and these are, you know, I think we could call them rightfully other virtues. So in a way, um, these are offshoots of temperance. And so they are, I would say, virtues. And they include things like chastity, continence, humility, gentleness, mildness, um, so to speak. And, uh, and almost in a way, these are, you know, like we were talking about, that these are about rightfully ordering things. They're, I think one about rightfully ordering um, your will in your life to do. So I think it, maybe just put it this way. You break it down, those things are almost like actions, right? So um, you can be humble, you can be chaste, you can be gentle, you can be mild, and you have to actively make um, decisions to do those things. And in order to do that, you have to properly order your will, and that's why, again, with temperance being about order, that's where temperance comes into play and why these are offshoots. And I, you know, these are th- I think these are not easy ways to practice temperance because we all know that things like you know humility, chastity, mildness, gentleness, these are not things that come. Some some people they might be natural to, but for most people, they are things that you develop. They are virtues. They are habits that you have to build. And because of that, um, they're that doesn't make them easy, but they are very practical, straightforward ways. When you think, how can I become a temperate person? Um, you know, what are things I can do? Um, with that in mind, is there like Alec? Is it you know on that list? Is there a particular one that you think um, that like sticks out to you, or that um, you might recommend to a young man who says, "I want to be more temperate. What's something that I can be working on to be a more temperate person?" Yeah, um, I think I wouldn't be the only one. You know, when hearing this, like, oh, be gentle. Uh, especially when you're coming at, uh, at it from the perspective of growing in manliness mm-hmm. and virtue, uh, you think gentle, and you you don't necessarily think, you know, a strong man is gentle. You think of uh, more tender love or gentleness coming from a mother, or um, even just thinking of like the animal kingdom. You know, you see a a mother taking care of their pup or something uh-huh. like that, and that's gentleness. So thinking about gentleness from the perspective of a uh, of a man, and then in the context of temperance, which is again, order. Um, it's a little bit interesting because if, if gentleness is about, um, you know, being, uh, well, gentle, but also, uh, kind of ordered. And, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, uh, other than gentle and order right now, but, um, <laughs> well, I was going to say mild, but mildness, I mean, it kind of goes together, but, um, just not being reactionary, I guess I could say, mm-hmm or being um, kind of understanding uh, about different situations that are going on. I think that kind of helped describes what gentleness is. You don't have to react by flipping the table 
every time. And it, it, it is a bit of a contrast to uh, anger, although sometimes anger can be good. Mm-hmm. In fact, anger might be a mode of temperance if it's just and if it's ordered. Mm-hmm. But gentleness, on the other hand, is uh, not reacting uh, with incendiary remarks or, um, uh, again, brashness or uh, extreme levels of boldness. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for me, at least, I, I think I would say um, one that I think is easy is like one that we don't think about a lot, but is one that I think it, uh, a young man could more easily practice is humility. Um, and it's not to say that we're all like that most people are like, you know, boastful and prideful. Um but like if you go the extra mile and actually try and be humble to practice humility, to have humility um, and humility, I think is great. Again, when, again, it ties to order really well because humility is all about um, finding where you are in like the order of things in your world um, and making sure that you don't, ex- well, you're not doing anything that exceeds. And this isn't to say like, you know, man has his, every man has his place and he shouldn't, you know, like not like that, but that, you know, whether it's because of, you know, the positions of power you might have or the lack of the position of power you might have, what your job is, what your job description is, who you commit, who you like, you know, give commands to, who you don't, um, the type of things that you're able to achieve, your skills, your talents, that kind of, there's like a natural hierarchy of things. And like, for example, I think, you know, that it might seem, it might seem impossible for the lowest of the low to be humble because they have nothing, but in a way they can, they are almost the most humble and it comes most naturally to them. It's actually the person who has, you know, this is why we say like the person with the most power, the most skill or that puts them higher. They, uh, humility might be something that you would find lacking. And so I think that's a way that we can all take stock of where we are in our lives and try and figure out ways to practice humility, whether that, and the humility isn't, um, self degradation at all. It's just, um, I think, I think humility is often tied to gratitude. And so I think that's maybe my, um, you know, actual tangible advice for men who are trying to practice humility is to practice gratitude as well, to be thankful for what you have and understanding that, you know, what you have is, is, is good and you should be thankful for it. Um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think we need a, a whole episode on humility. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think we definitely, definitely will put that on the to-do list for sure. All right. Well, any, uh, closing remarks? Uh, no, I just think, you know, when you think temp, when you're thinking about temperance, think about order, think about, um, you know, your natural proclivities and trying to order those and your, in the decisions you make and your will. Um, and I think you'll be on the right track. Yeah. Not too much, not too little, just right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Smith and Scholar. If you liked what you heard, Please subscribe to our podcast on all the major platforms, including YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with everything we are doing and thinking. Finally, feel free to give us feedback and ask questions across the different platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Smith and Scholar.